joy in the presence of God, and there's also strength in the presence of God. And as we've said in past teachings, that we are to maintain this vital union and maintain this vital communion with the Lord. As the Amplified says in Ephesians 6.10, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him. Amen? Drawing your strength from the Lord. Drawing your strength from the presence of the Lord. Maintaining a strong joy level. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. The joy of the Lord. Lord. It is my strength. And we found out that they that wait upon the Lord, what will they do? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will exchange their strength for His strength. And of course, the Amplified talks about those that wait for and look to and look for. That's part of waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is somewhat, you're not really real super active. You're not making a lot of confessions and you're not, you know, paging through your Bible, but you're just open in your heart and you're just beholding him and you're just loving him. Now, what I want to talk to you for just a a little while tonight, I want to talk about that there is rest also in the presence of the Lord. There is a supernatural rest belongs to the people of God in the presence of the Lord as a result of waiting upon the Lord. Everyone say there's rest in him. As a matter of fact, Jesus is our rest. He is our Sabbath rest, is he not? So when we talk about the presence of the Lord, we're talking about just simply coming to him, coming to him. And uh, in Matthew chapter 11, and I want to look at that verse in, in verses 28 through 30, Matthew the 11th chapter, verse 28 through 30 says, Come unto me, all you that, what? Labor and are heavy laden. And what will he give you? I'll give you rest. He didn't say, I'll burden you down and just, man, I've been waiting for you to come. I just got to whoop up on you. No. He said, I'll give you rest. And uh, that word rest also means refreshment and rejuvenation. So I'm going to give you rest. Verse 29 and verse 30. Let's look at that together. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest where? Under your souls. Do our souls need rest? That's why it's vital to keep your cares completely over on Him. You can't be carrying half the cares and putting half over on Him. That's not the kind of rest that He's made available to you. He says just don't fret, don't have any anxiety about anything, but just roll it all over on me. Commit your way to me. I can handle those cares. That's good news. And so there's, there's, there's soul rest. There's spiritual rest. Now notice in verse 30, it says there, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's like one person said years ago, light and easy, not fearful and queasy. Amen. So come to me, all you who labor, heavy laden, overburdened. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to relieve and I'm going to refresh your souls. Okay? Then go over to Psalms chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. We'll look at several scriptures tonight. And I just want to talk to you just for a while tonight about resting in the Lord, resting in His presence. Psalms 4, verse 3 and 4 says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe, sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed, and be still. You know, the Bible talks about uh, 
Be still and what? And know that I am God. So being still is not automatic. It's something we need to do on purpose. So to be still, that means laying aside the distractions. Amen? Laying aside, that means perhaps turning your phone off or turning your computer off. Whatever you've got to do to get before the Lord, do it and do it on a regular basis. Amen. Now, Spurgeon said some things about rest. I'm going to read this to you, quote it to you, and I'm going to quote some things from Brother Hagin too. So this, this language is a little uh, dated, if you will, but he says the, the, bow, the bow cannot always, uh, cannot always be bent without fear of breaking. He says repose or rest is as needful to the mind as sleep to the body. Even the earth must lie fallow and have her Sabbaths. So must we. The master knows better than to exhaust his servants and quench the light of Israel. Rest time is not wasted time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. I like how he says that. In other words, it is wise to gather fresh what? Fresh strength. You know, you might picture, you know, a, a gas station. What do you do when you're running near empty? You go to the gas station and you plug in, right? And a wise thing to do is never get too close to empty. Never get close, too close to empty. There's risk there. There's danger in there. Well, if that's true with a car, it's also true with your spirit, your soul, and your body. Amen. We need to go to God's filling station regularly. Amen. Just pull over there into the presence of the Lord and say, fill her up, Lord. Ah, hallelujah. Fill her up in the word, in the spirit. And so the master knows better to exhaust his servants and quench the light of Israel. A little pause prepares the mind for greatest service in the good cause. Who can help being out of breath when the race is continued without intermission? It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. Mm-hmm. It is, okay, we must, we must every now and then cry halt and serve the Lord by holy inaction and consecrated leisure. So I want to give you 12 hours of rest tonight. Are you ready? Number one, look at Psalm 37, verse 7. Psalms 37 and verse 7. This Bible study tonight, this is a good atmosphere, a Bible study, amen? Amen. amen? Notice this with me. It says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret yourself because of Him that prospers in His way, because of the wicked man which bringeth wicked devices to pass. So what this says to us, don't get all upset about what's going on and what's happening in other people's lives. I mean, why are they prospering? Why do they have this? Why do they have that? I know they're not saved. Just relax. And you just rest and you just trust in the Lord for yourself. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, they which have believed have what? They which have believed have entered into rest. So it's impossible to rest without faith. I never said that before, but I'll say it again. It is impossible to rest without faith. 
I'm talking about biblical faith. Amen? So, hey, how many of you have done all to stand and you're still standing for something? Amen? How many of you believe you've received something and the manifestation hasn't happened yet? Okay, that's about 100% of you. Well, does the Bible say get all upset and get uptight and worry about and wonder why? No, the Bible says they which have believed in the finished work of Christ, they enter into rest. I believe I've received my healing because it is finished. By His stripes I am healed. So I'm going to rest. Amen. I believe that God supplies all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus because it is finished. Amen. And so I'm just going to rest. Amen. You know, that will take a lot of fear and worry right out of your soul. Right out of your life. I mean, even your loved ones. Maybe you have loved ones, granddaughters, grandsons. Mothers, mother-in-laws, dads, sons, daughters that are still out there rebelling. Well, do you believe? Have you believed? Have you prayed? Then what's next to do? Next thing to do is just enter into rest and praise God because it is done. Everyone say it is done. It is done. It is done. And it is not wise to try to work these things out in your own strength or your own way. Amen. You found that out. So number one, rest in the Lord. Number two, refuge. Look with me at Psalms 34 and verse 8. Psalms 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Now, I believe the New Living Translation says this. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Amen. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our strength. He's our shield. He's our buckler. You know what? He's our high tower. And oh, the joys of those who run to Him and just take refuge in Him. Hallelujah. Taking refuge in Him is a real safe place. Amen. The Bible talks in Psalm 91 about the secret place. Let me just quote a few verses from that for you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my God, in you I do trust. What are you doing? You're entering into his refuge, into his safe place, and into his secret place, and you're entering into rest. That means you don't fret when you get on a jet. Hey, that rhymed. That was pretty good. That means you don't, you don't talk about, oh man, I almost got hit on the freeway. No, you rejoice because God is your refuge and he's protected you. I mean, the other night when we were leaving church, some guy, I don't know, he must have been watching football all day. He maybe was on his third case of beer. I don't know. But for some reason, he felt as though I was moving too slow. And he had this great, big, huge pickup. And he went by me at about 100 miles an hour, just upset and uptight. And I looked at Brent and I said, thank God for the blood of Jesus. I said, thank God he's given his angels charge over me. I said, he's got to be drunk. Somebody says, how do you know that? I used to do the same thing. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God he's our refuge. Thank God he's our our nation's refuge. He's our fortress. In him we do 
take refuge. And then retreat. Turn over to Psalms 119. Psalms 119 in verse 114. Psalms 119, 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope, my confidence, my expectation is in your word. So from this secret place of the Most High, we're feeding on His faithfulness. We're feeding on His word And it brings us great hope. One translation says, You, you're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. Amen? Anybody ever just been renewed in the presence of God? Restored by the word of God. You know, the word of God is perfect. And it will convert the soul. It'll change the way that you think. And so, there is... Retreat in his presence. And then the next one is respite. Turn to Obadiah chapter 1 and verse 17. Obadiah chapter 1 and in verse 17. Rest in the Lord. Obadiah 1 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The message translation says, on Mount Zion, there's respite. There is a safe and a holy place. Resting in the Lord, a safe place and a holy place. The next one, let's look at recovery. Oh, man. Anybody ever need some recovery? Sometimes the best thing you can do is just go to bed and regroup. And recover. I I was having a meeting yesterday. I won't tell you with who. But it was kind of near the end of the day. And I could see the person was tired. And I was moving too fast. And I was a little bit scattered. I understood in my communication. I said, you know what? Let's call this meeting off. And I'll call you in the morning after my first cup of coffee. (laughs) Seriously. And the person said, right on okay awesome took care of it in about 15 minutes 15 minutes to a half hour god's good you got to get rest for your soul rest for your body your systems can't be moving all the time and running all the time and going all the time from place to place you'll make stupid mistakes if you do that amen so if you're in the midst of a project or if you're in the midst of a, of a big, major decision and there's stress and there's unrest in your soul, unplug and say, you know what? I'm going to go into the secret place of the Most High. I'm going to get what I need from God. I'm going to rest in Him and we'll go back to this later. You, I was talking to a minister friend of mine yesterday and... Um, Ministers that get up to about 60 years old and 65 years old and 66 years old, a lot of them deal with, well, you know, should I retire or should I go do something else or, you know, what, what, and so this, and that's not me. I'm, I'm here for the long haul. You're stuck with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, but I've, 
But I know that for a fact among many, many men of God. And it's all right. But uh, I could just tell that there was stress and there was unrest in his soul. And, and there was this that he could do. And there was that that he could do. And there was this that he could do. And there was this that he could do. And I said, look, I said, let me just give you a piece of advice. I'm kind of like his elder. I'm a few years older than him. And I said, don't make any major decisions right now. Just wait on the Lord and wait till you've taken the time. And another thing that had been going on in his life, there had been a lot of tragedy around him. A lot of, a lot of difficulty and a lot of opportunities, I guess you would say, uh, to be down, you know. And, and so I said, you know, just wait until you get through some of these things. You know, we are overcomers, but there are things to come over. And it's not always wise to make major decisions while you're coming over. I think I'm communicating all right with you. So if that's good for the goose, that's good for the gander. If that's good for ministers, that's good for you. Amen? And while I'm at it, let me just say this. Don't let anyone pressure you into a decision. I can remember Brother Hagin many, many years ago saying this verse of Scripture. He that believeth shall not make haste. Don't be pressured. Don't be pressured into giving. Don't be pressured into making a decision. You must know for yourself. Say it with me. I must know for myself. Okay, so... Recovery. We've already looked at this verse. Let me just quote it to you. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Powerful. And so the next one is reviving. Everyone say, Revival. Revival. You know, sometimes you've got to speak to your soul and say, Be revived. In the name of Jesus. So there's reviving. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 57. And notice with me in verse 15. Reviving. There's revival in the presence of God. Reviving. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And with him also that is of a humble and a contrite spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Oh, I love it. So there is revival. There is a restoration that takes place in the presence of of God. The next one is restoration. Everyone say restore. restore. Man, we could drive around the Bay Area and drive up and down some streets in Hayward, just open our window and shout restore. Amen. amen. You live in Oakland? Amen. Just open your window sometime and shout restore. I believe God wants to restore some cities. Amen. Now, Restoration. Of course, this is from Psalms 23. And of course, it's in verse, let's see. Psalms 23, verse 2 and 3. Let's look at that. Psalms 23, verse 2 and 3. He makes me to lie down, what? 
What kind of pastures? What kind of pastures does a good shepherd lead us to? No, not burnt over fields, green pastures. He leads us beside troubled waters. No, thank God he leads us beside what kind of waters? Still waters. Be still and know that I am God. And then notice with me in verse 3. Let's read this one together. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there's restoration that takes place in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of your shepherd. Amen? And then, of course, there's renewal. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And then there's rejuvenation. Everyone say rejuvenation. Look at Psalms 119 and verse 50. Psalms 119 and verse 50. Love this one translation. It says, these words hold me up in bad times. Yes, your promises rejuvenate me. Awesome. This is my comfort and my affliction. For thy word has quickened me. Thy word has rejuvenated me. Amen. And then there's reflection, being still and know that I am God. And lastly, there is relaxation. Turn over to Psalms 116 and verse 7. Psalms 116 and verse 7. Message says, I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Now show me a person that has a strong spirit and I will show you someone who knows how to rest in the Lord. Amen? Now Dad Hagen said this, and I, I love how he said this. This is from the book, Following God's Plan for Your Life. He said, as you spend time in God's presence... Ministering to the Lord in praise and worship, it will quiet your mind and strengthen your heart, your spirit. That's why, he says, spending much time ministering the Lord, to the Lord will greatly aid you in developing your spirit. Ministering to the Lord. What does ministering to the Lord mean? It means to linger in His presence. It means loving Him and worshiping Him for all that He is. And for all that he's done for you, it means to drink in of his glory and power and let him saturate every part of your being. As you spend time loving and worshiping the Lord, it's so much easier to quiet your mind and emotions and focus on Jesus. And then he goes on to say, take the time to let your body become quiet, let your mind be still let your emotions subside until there's no emotion at all in manifestation coloring your thoughts. Once your mind and body are quiet, listen way down in your innermost being to what the Holy Ghost is saying to you. Amen. So my prayer for you is that you rest in the Lord, that you take time to, uh, if you would, monitor your soul. Monitor your spirit, not getting so busy that you're not hearing from God, 
but living life in the presence of God. There are some absolute um, habits, if you will, for lack of a better term. There are some habits that strong believers can implement in their lives. We looked at the first one tonight, resting in the Lord. Another one that we want to look at that is something that should be habitual with us, it's uh, building ourselves up by listening to God's Word every day. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not hearing something. I'm hearing the Word. I'm listening to the Word. Sometimes on my computer, I will just put the Word on. And I'll just have the word playing continuously, continuously. You know what's happening in that kind of atmosphere? Faith is coming. Faith is coming. Amen. In Romans 10, 17, he said this. So then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, faith goeth by not hearing. Amen. Now look over at Proverbs chapter 4. We've got some more time tonight. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. This is, a, this is a habit of a strong believer. Not only do they make a habit of reading God's Word every day, but they hear God's Word every day. Notice this really familiar verse of Scripture. He says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, and what? And their health, the Hebrew, and they are medicine to all their flesh. So we are instructed to attend to the Word, incline to the Word, keep it in our eyes, so that it gets into our heart. Amen. You do that not only by reading But you do that by hearing the word. Now, if you need healing in your body, it would behoove you to get at least 10 healing scriptures. And write those scriptures down and think about them and speak them. And not only have someone read them to you, but you say them and you hear them for yourself. 10 healing scriptures. You can do it. I can think of a few right off the top of my head. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Exodus 23, 25 says, I will serve the Lord my God. He will bless my bread and my water. And he takes sickness away from the midst of me. Hallelujah. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven not only of my sins, but you have healed me of every disease. Oh, glory to God. And then you just keep on looking down in the Word of God. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, Lord will restore health unto you and He will heal you of every wound. Amen. I got to thinking about that today. Uh, I, I, I was made aware of this uh, by the Holy Ghost here in the last day or so. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of plantar fasciitis. But plantar fasciitis is an inflammation that gets in your heel. Okay, so I kind of walked around saying, you know, I've got plantar fasciitis and it's in my heel and it's hard to walk, especially in the morning. Man, it's hard to get out of bed. And I'm thinking, really? 
How long have you been preaching this? <laughs> Almost 40 years? Okay, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord just got my attention. Son, duh, why don't you ask me to heal you? Or why don't you just take your healing? You preach this. So I said, yes, Lord, yes. So I started getting in the Word, praise God. One of the main scriptures I'm standing on right now is Galatians 3.13. Look over there. Galatians 3.13. Amen. You Sometimes we think, oh, you know, we'll stand against cancer and we'll stand against this, we'll stand against that. But, you know, a little inflammation or just a little headache, we can put up with that. You know, it's kind of subtle. We don't have to accept anything from the devil. Amen? Just think about that. Inflammation. Fire. That's hell. <laughs> All right? Now notice with me. This is one of the main verses I'm standing. It's important for us to know verses for ourselves. Let's read it together. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So if I'm going to personalize this, John, I'm going to say, Christ has redeemed me. Christ has redeemed me. Marcos Francisco Tomas. He has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Somebody says, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Well, you've got to know what part of the curse of the law that you're redeemed from. And if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, you will see that inflammation is a curse. Not only that, any sickness and disease that's not written in the book of the law is a curse. So that covers any disease from A to Z. The one you can pronounce and the one you can't pronounce. The Latin, the whatever. So here's what, here's what I say. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, including sickness, including inflammation, and including plantar fasciitis. And then I declare, according to Deuteronomy 28, that's a curse. But thank God, Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I call those things which be not as though they were until they are. I call my heel free from plantar fasciitis. So if it's flu you're dealing with, flu is under the curse. Amen? According to to Galatians 3.13, flu is a curse, but I've been redeemed from the curse. Amen? Therefore, I call my body completely and totally healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And so then, as you do that and as you become familiar with verses, you've got to know what's written. And it's important to know what is also written. Because the enemy oftentimes comes with counterattacks. Dad Hagen said this, he said, most people or many people lose their healing that they initially got over a counterattack than anything else. In other words, we could have a healing line here on a Sunday morning, Sunday night or Wednesday night. We and other elders of the church could lay hands upon the sick and let's say someone had a real bad, bad back problem. Amen. And man, they said, I've gotten relief. I'm healed. They're bending over, they're running, they're shouting, they're by his stripes, they're healed. Amen. Now, it's one thing to get your healing, but it's another thing to hold on to your healing. Because the enemy is a thief. 
And he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. He'll come with the counterattack. So you can't be ignorant of his devices. You've got to be prepared to fight the good fight of faith with your arsenal of Scripture and take the sword of the Spirit and put that rat on the run. But now most people, and I'm not saying you, I would not insult you, I wouldn't insult anybody, but most Christians don't do that. They just want hands laid on them, they're going to be healed, and it's over with. Well, thank God and praise God for that. But it is so important to know the Word so that you can stand up instead of lay down and say, well, I guess I didn't get anything. Yeah, you got it all right. And you still got it. Just don't let the devil put it back on you. Send it back to hell where it belongs. (laughs) Amen. So, attend to his words. Find scriptures. Know what the word says for yourself. Amen. And uh, I think another thing that's important when, when we talk about the subject of healing, you can go along several months, maybe even years, without a symptom in your body. Brother Hagin said, he said, I went years and years without even knowing I had a body. I mean, basically what he was saying, I went years and years not even knowing sickness and disease. And you can go for years and years, months and months, sometimes weeks and weeks without a pain. But that's not the time to let your word level down. That's time to build a strong fortress of the word in your life. Amen. It's like Brother Savell said, praise God. He was going around, he was acting real strong and bold and quoting the word, by his stripes I'm healed. And someone said, yeah, but you're, you're not even sick. And he said, yeah, and there ain't going to be none either. Amen. Amen. Say with me, strong in the Lord, Lord. and in the power of his might. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but you also need to know something else. Doubt comes by hearing also. That's why Jesus said, be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are healing. Now, another characteristic of a person that has strong faith and spends time in the presence of God, this is this. They strengthen and encourage themselves daily by speaking God's word over their lives. They encourage themselves daily By saying what God said about them. Remember Jesus said, speak the word only? Look at Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Proverbs the 18th chapter, the 21st verse. Saying what God said, agreeing with God, speaking the word of God. Let's read this one together. Death and life are where? Death and life are where? In the power of believing and in the power of speaking. They are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Think about it. He's given us the awesome privilege of speaking words filled with life. He's given us His word which is life. And then he said, now choose life that not only you may live, but those around you may live. Amen. Oftentimes on a, on a regular basis, 
I'll go over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's look over there and, and uh, look at a couple of verses. Deuteronomy 30. We can quote it, but let's, let's let our eyes rest on it. What do you say? Deuteronomy 30 and uh, verse 19 and verse 20. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, do what? Choose life. So it is our choice to speak the word only. It is our choice to speak words of life or to speak words of death. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Now, I say this on a regular basis. I'll look at that verse and I'll declare, I choose life today. Amen. Amen. Today is Wednesday, November what? November 2nd. Happy birthday. Tomorrow. Happy birthday to TK right there. November 3rd. Mom Hagen's birthday today. Praise the Lord. She's up there in heaven with dad. Rejoicing. But I'll say this. It's Tuesday, November 2nd. I choose life. And then I'll say, I choose to speak life, I choose to talk life, I choose to think life, I choose to honor God today. It's a choice. It is a choice. And you can choose to speak the word of God daily. Gloria Copeland says this, put God's word in your heart and you will speak it with your mouth God's word in your mouth will cause good things to happen in your life. God's word in your mouth. God's word in your mouth will cause good things to happen where? In your life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Whatever you put in is going to come out. So what am I saying to you tonight? I'm saying that you can strengthen your spirit by continuously declaring who you are in Christ. Let's try that one on for size. Say it with me. I am, I am a, new a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Christ. I, am I am the righteousness, the righteousness of, God of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He always causes me to triumph. I am complete in Him. I am accepted in the Beloved. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a king's kid, and I'm reigning in life as a child of the king. Strengthen your spirit by declaring who you are in Christ Jesus. And then strengthen your spirit by declaring what you have in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about what we have. Say this with me. I have been redeemed. In Christ, I have redemption. 
What else do we have? Help me out tonight. How about boldness? In Ephesians it says, in whom we have boldness and access through faith in him. What have we got? Healing. Amen. That's right. Someone just said Ephesians 1.3. Let's look over there. Ephesians 1.3, the fruit of the Spirit. We have it. I have the love of God. Ephesians, the first chapter, the third verse. Somebody says, well, this is pretty basic tonight. But remember this, we're in basic training. You never get out of training. Do you? I know pilots that go to pilot school, you know, sometimes a month or two months a year. They have to re-up. They want, don't want them getting up there in them big jets without being fully trained. Okay? It's, it's training. So we could say this tonight. We're in basic training. And it's reminding us of who we are and what we have in Christ. Ephesians, the first chapter, the third verse. It says this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So say this with me. I have been blessed. And then strengthen your spirit by declaring what you can do in Christ. Best verse I know of that one is uh, Philippians 4.13. Say this with me. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now here's another quality of a man or a woman who spends time in the presence of God. They dominate, glory to God, and control their thoughts and their lives by filling their minds with God's Word. Filling their minds with God's Word. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So meditation in the Word of God is how you allow the Word of God to dominate your thinking. We establish our hearts on the Word of God by meditating in the Word. Dad said this, he says, The most deeply spiritual women and men, men and women I know are men and women who spend at least 15 minutes a day meditating on the Word. Now, the word meditation means to mutter. The word meditation also means to think and to ponder. It also means to utter. Let's look over Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua, the first chapter, and the eighth verse. Joshua 1, 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it when... What will happen? That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have what kind of success? Good success. Amen. As you meditate in the word of God, you will see yourself with the thing that you are thinking about. What you behold is what you become. 
If you will behold him as in a mirror, as your healer, and let that dominate your thought life, you will then begin to see yourself well. Amen. If you behold him as in a mirror through the word of God, as Jehovah Shalom, your peace giver, and you meditate on scriptures concerning peace, you will see yourself with a peace that passes all understanding. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the eighth verse, says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, do what? Now here's what Gloria Copeland said. She says, praise is the language of receiving. If you believed you received it, you're going to be thanking God for it. If you're still trying to get it, then you're not going to be thanking God for it. Whether it manifests yet or not, You've received it. It's coming. You don't quit. Amen. Amen. You've got to see yourself with the thing that you believe that you have received. And then lastly, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And notice with me in verse 4 and 5. There's more here, but we won't take the time to go through it tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, for the weapons of our, our casting down, what? Imagination. Will the devil bring images to your soul? Amen. Some of those images aren't very good. What are we to do with those images? We're to cast them down. Like one preacher said, we're to slap them down. Amen. Don't sit there and think about them and imagine what he's bringing to your soul. No, you cast it down. You throw them away. You refute them. Amen. Amen. You get rid of them. Casting down any images and any high thing that would exalt itself against what you know to be true in the Word of God. What you know to be true in the Word of God. And bring in to captivity how many thoughts? Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen? So you already know what to do, don't you? You already know what God's Word says, don't you? When thoughts and images come up, you just simply say what the Word has to say. Amen? I'm not taking that thought. I'm not taking that thought of failure. I'm not taking that thought of our nation going down the tubes. How about you? I I just refuse that. I'm not taking that thought. You know, you may be in a family where, you know, perhaps people have died young and, and they're telling you, well, you know, this runs in your family tree. I'm sorry, but Jesus died on a tree for me. So I'm not taking that thought. Well, your uncle died at 50, your dad died at 55. Your grandfather died at 52, and you're just about 49. (laughs) So, what is that? That's just a setup to connect you with death. Amen. Refute it. I'm not taking that thought. Uh -uh. I'm casting that thought down. No way. That's not my thought. It's like the guy was on top of a building, and he was looking down over a city, and... The devil told him to jump, commit suicide. 
He says, you're crazy devil. You jump. I ain't jumping. You take a jump. I mean, he's already familiar with falling, ain't he? We do not have to do everything that comes to our minds. Amen? That's why the Bible says resist what? Resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. Just don't take those thoughts. Don't take those thoughts of failure. Don't take those thoughts of rejection. Replace those thoughts of rejection with thoughts like this. I'm the accepted in the beloved. Don't take those thoughts of your life is incomplete and you've wasted so much time. Replace that thought with, I am complete in Him. And He who has begun a good work in me, He will perform it and He will complete it until He returns. Amen? There is no such a thing as taking a vow of poverty. Well, Mama was poor and Daddy was poor. I got news for you. God ain't poor no more. Amen? So I reject the thoughts of of being poverty stricken. You would not believe the amount of people that are on the streets today living homeless, battling all sorts of mental diseases by simply taking the wrong thoughts. By simply taking the wrong thoughts. And allowing that to enter in to their soul. And as a result, they've become helpless at the hands of an enemy who is a stealer and a destroyer. Amen. It's amazing how many people don't even know the name Jesus. I talked to Brenda this afternoon. She's down with uh, Olivia and... um, Lucy and John and Lindy. And uh, <laughs> there's this little girl in her neighborhood that uh, is quite boisterous. And she was over at the house today. And Livy is very sensitive to her spirit. She, uh, I was sitting on the couch with her one day. And she says, Papa, this girl down the street's trying to get me to say bad words. Mean things. And I asked her, like, what? And it wasn't bad. I mean, it was, it wasn't like cuss words and stuff. But she was over at the house and, and uh, she kept saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. We, we don't, we shouldn't be addressing God like that. It's just as easy to say, oh my goodness, than to say, oh my God. And Livy says, we don't say that around here. And Brenda happened to be eavesdropping. And she said, well, I, I don't understand. So Brenda started talking to her and, and telling her, you know, God is Jesus' Father. And, you know, we go to church. And, and when we talk about God, we talk about Him in a, in a, in a, in a different way. And, and about God and Jesus. And this, I'm paraphrasing. And she says, do, do, do you know what I mean? She says, I don't know those guys. <laughs> I don't know those guys. I don't know Jesus. I don't know God the Father. But you know what? That is so prevalent. 
all over. And here we sit in a beautiful building, beautiful church, hearing great word every time we come together. I mean, having great praise and worship. It's awesome. But there's people out there that need our help. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. That's enough tonight.